Hey everybody, about to get started right now with this podcast. But first, I got a disclaimer. I am not an attorney. Um, this is not legal advice. I don't play an attorney on TV and I surely do not play one here on this podcast. Uh, the things you're gonna hear, I'm gonna read from bill summaries and from the bill itself, and they're going to be my opinions. They are strictly my opinions and again, are not meant to be legal advice. But for now, let's get to this podcast and I hope you all enjoy. And welcome everybody to a special episode of the Patrick Carr Show, as today we are talking about immigration. I'll tell you, if you would have asked me a year ago if I would be doing a podcast on immigration, I probably would have told you you're crazy. But today that is exactly the case. Uh, Just two days ago, the governor of Florida signed into law Senate Bill 1718. It is just simply titled Immigration. And so I think the question first becomes why exactly we are covering that on the show. And I'm going to get into that in just a second, but it obviously is because it is going to affect blue-collar workers, blue-collar entrepreneurs across the state. Uh, The bill is about 43 pages long. Um, I have read it a number of times along with the bill summary, um, and I'm going to be going off of that today. And uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what this bill is and what it is not. It has been labeled, of course, anti-immigration. It has been labeled anti-this or for this. That is not going to be the goal of this show. What we are going to do is we're going to supply you with the information that is within the bill and the bill summary and allow you to make your own choice on what you believe is right for the state of Florida. So the first question has to be this. Maybe perhaps you haven't heard of Senate Bill 1718. I wouldn't blame you. Um, We've had special session after special session, and we've had bill after bill that have been explored, especially in the first party world if you follow the show. So this might have been one in the state of Florida that slipped through. As I said, it was signed into law on May the 10th by Governor Ron DeSantis, and I'm going to read here a little bit. Um, What the bill is meant to do is it's meant to amend Florida statutes that address provisions related to individuals who are unauthorized aliens. I want to say here that when I use the word unauthorized aliens or undocumented, uh, these are not my own choice of words. These are the words that are located within the bill summary, um, and they are those that are located within the actual bill itself. So I want a quick disclaimer about that. Um, At its face value, the bill attempts to make it more difficult for employers to hire illegal aliens and creates more strenuous penalties for both hiring and housing someone in the state who is illegally here. It also attempts to create a database of medical care provided to those um, who are undocumented in our hospitals. I'm going to go over that in just a few minutes. So this is all revolved around illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, undocumented individuals that have come in here into the state of Florida. The first or the next thing I want to address is how we are going to explore the bill and what it changes and what it addresses. There are two weak arguments that we need to get out of the way on both sides here, everybody. The first is going to be from that individual who says immigrants shouldn't be here in the first place. This shouldn't be something we even have to deal with. Um, They're illegal. And this is something that is, you know, hey, this, this should never happen. Yes, we understand it should never happen. But we do have the problem, and the problem is at hand. So if we can move that argument out of the way, then we can start to address solutions. The second thing I want to address is somebody who says everybody deserves the same treatment. This is an individual on the exact opposite side. Hey, they, they are here. They deserve everything that everybody else deserves. And, you know, there is no difference between somebody who's born in America and somebody that is not. There is a difference. These individuals have broken the law by being here. They are undocumented. They are illegal aliens. They're whatever name that we think is going to be appropriate in your world 
that you're going to apply to this individual. But to simply say that no laws have been broken is simply not looking at this on its face value. And so we need to get rid of both of these arguments because what they do is they pull us further apart from finding where the real solution is and actually being able to look at the issue that we have at hand. So let's move both of those straw arguments, move them to the side on both sides of the aisle, and let's really explore what the bill says and how it's going to affect the state of Florida. So the question becomes, this show revolves around the blue-collar trades in some way, work with roofing contractors and restoration contractors regularly. Why are we addressing a bill about immigration? I want to take some statistics here, and I want to run down because I think it really highlights why this bill is so impactful on the blue-collar entrepreneurial world in the state of Florida. First one, coming from the Center of American Progress, it states that one-fifth of landscape workers, maids, housekeepers, and construction workers are undocumented. Number two, according to the Center of Migration Studies from 2015 to 2019, 54% of foreign-born construction workers were undocumented, everybody. And finally, the Center for Immigration Studies estimates that in January 2022, 11.35 million illegal immigrants were in this country. That is up 1.13 million from January of 2021. Now, you might hear some people say that that just brings our numbers back to where we were pre-COVID. Um, actually, during COVID, people returned back to their home country um, a lot of the time. And what we're seeing, though, is that that number has come back up to where we were pre-COVID, let's say 2019, 2020, but of course is on an upward trend. The other thing you have to take into account right now, if we're talking about how this bill is going to affect the state of Florida, is that we're expecting more illegal aliens to flood into this country. If you haven't heard, and it is no coincidence, that on Thursday this week, uh, Thursday, May the 11th, I've got written down right here, Title 42 officially ended here in the United States, a federal law that was put into place. What that allowed to happen, and I'm going to read here from the actual bill itself, Title 42 allowed the United States to swiftly turn immigrants away on the basis of public health safety. And so therefore, now without that, um, there are a lot of people who believe that there will be more immigrants flooding into the United States. You may have seen over the last couple of days the pictures and the videos of people that are flooding in. So that's up to you. And then again, that is your opinion about whether you think that's wrong or right. That is not for this show to decide right here. What I will say is that a lot of experts do believe that there will be additional people that will be flooding in now that Title 42 has come to an end. Middle America, Southern America may look at this as an opportunity to come through our borders without that opportunity to be swiftly deported. Again, I do not believe this is a coincidence that Governor DeSantis signs this on the 10th, and then on the 11th, Title 42 ends. Now, all this is to say this, more people coming into the United States, the numbers show that anywhere from 20 to 25 percent 20 of the people doing construction work are illegal. Therefore, the number of people that are here undocumented or illegal aliens that will be doing construction work would tend to go up in the United States if you just go by the numbers itself. This means that anything or any bill introduced that has to do with this subject is pertinent to the blue-collar community, and that's exactly what we're going to cover what it changes here today. All right, here's my approach to this bill, everybody. As you know, we've done 76 on here in 2A and 2D and 4D. I always take the same approach. And that approach is to both tell you what's in the bill and then tell you how I think it's really going to affect what happens on the ground. The reason I do this is because you have to have some implicit insight 
you have to be able to look at the words that are being said and then be able to somewhat interpret how people are going to accept those, how they are going to view them through the lens of their own life and how law enforcement or an agency that is picked to enforce these laws is going to look at them as well. Um, so we're going to both tell you the information, I'm going to tell you my opinion, and then I'm going to allow you to pick your own opinion for yourself and you decide whether this is right, wrong. Of course, I'm always going to invite you to comment, like, and let us know your thoughts on what's going on with this bill. All right, so here we go. Let's jump into this. What is actually in the bill? I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Um, I'm following up with the a summary that we have right here. Um, so if I get a little tongue-tied, it's only because I'm reading the summary. That is put out by Florida Gov. That is not one's opinion. It is actually put out by the government for each bill uh, that Tallahassee decides that they are going to pass and put forward. All right, let's start it out here. Section 10, everybody, is human smuggling. This is no small event right here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you here from the summary of human smuggling, Section 10 of the bill. Uh, and this goes into law on July the 1st. All right, everyone, let's see if I can read. Oh, here we go. Section 10 of the bill amends human smuggling crime to provide that a person commits a third-degree felony when he or she knowingly and willfully transports into the state an individual whom the person knows or reasonably should know has entered the United States in violation of the law and has not been inspected by the federal government since his or her unlawful entry. The bill, the bill does provide that a person commits a separate offense for each individual he or she transports into the state in violation of this section. The bill also enhances the offense of human smuggling and a secondary felony if a person transports a minor into the state in violations of this section or commits five or more separate offenses under this section during a single episode or has a prior conviction for human smuggling and commits a subsequent violation of human smuggling. All right. These seem like very good things, don't they? Somebody who is attempting to bring a child across state lines into Florida, somebody who is attempting to, to the, the drug trafficking, kids, people, you don't want these individuals in the state. And so on the surface, what this seems as though is that this is not controversial at all. This is a great thing. In fact, we should stiffen the penalties for the, for the losers and the sickos who decide to human traffic anybody. I agree with that, and I think that on the face value here, that is exactly what is trying to be accomplished, okay? But I need to look at this from a blue-collar entrepreneurship standpoint, okay, everybody? And I say entrepreneurship because I'm talking to business owners. And what I want to talk to you about here is what happens after our next big hurricane. What happens when we have an Ian or an Irma that runs through the state of Florida? Now, everybody knows we have out-of-state contractors that come into the area and they go ahead and serve a purpose for a period of time because you can't get all that work done with the people that we have right here in Florida. It helps to put people's lives back together. So my question for you is this. If somebody is undocumented on a crew or multiple people are undocumented on a crew in Georgia or Louisiana, South Carolina, and that company is looking to come into the state of Florida for a hurricane, do you think they're going to come now? if they have undocumented people on their crew? The next question, should they have undocumented people on their crew? And does Florida want people to come into this state who have undocumented people on their production crew? These are questions that we have to consider when putting these kind of laws into practice. While on surface, this is a generally good section right here, 
My concern is what is going to happen after the next big name storm hits the state of Florida. I've got to assume, yes, there are contractors, if we can say that 25% of construction workers are undocumented, that have people on their team in other states, and they may not come to this state now thinking that, hey, I could be charged with human trafficking for trying to bring my crew into the state of Florida. You must ask yourself as a Florida consumer and a Florida business owner, is this a good thing that after the next storm, there will be individuals who decide not to join us here in this state because of this law. And then what we have to do is we have to weigh the pluses and minuses. Catching smugglers, very good thing, the people that are doing crimes and really trying to hurt people. Or individuals that are not coming to the state to help put lives back together. Both of these are being wrapped into this one section right here, and it's concerning to me. You as a Floridian should make the choice for yourself. But give this some thought when you see this, how is it going to affect our ability to put our state back together after the next big storm? The next section I want to look at, and again, this is all beginning on July the 1st. I want to talk about employment verification, okay? Beginning July the 1st, the bill requires a private employer with 25 or more employees to use the e-verify system to verify employment eligibility of new employees. For those of you who may not be familiar with what the E-Verify system actually is, E-Verify is a program you go into if you're an employer, you put some basic information in about somebody, and it spits it back out and tells you whether or not they are, they have a social security card, tells you if they have an ID, a green card, they're here on a visa, it tells you all that stuff right there. So basically you can figure out very quickly if this is an individual that is legally here within the United States. So if you have 25 or more employees, the E-Verify system must be used for employment eligibility for all new employees. So what happens now with this new law if you decide not to E-Verify individuals that are trying to join your team? Two sections right here. So let me break it down. Beginning July the 1st, again, if an employer fails to use the E-Verify system, as determined by the Department of Economic Opportunity, then the following is going to happen. Number one, the DEO notifies the contractor and they got 30 days to cure the noncompliance. Two, if the employer fails to use the E-Verify system three times within 24 months, they'll be charged $1,000 a day until the noncompliance is fixed. And number three, while in noncompliance, licenses are subject to suspension. Again, right here on face value as you begin to read this, that doesn't sound extremely unreasonable. Hey, listen, you're hiring people that you shouldn't be hiring. You're a large company. Get with the program or get fined. I like the fact that they're given 30 days to cure the noncompliance, so this to me seems to make sense right here. But we have to take a little step further here, okay? We got to move into Section 6, which is unemployment of authorized aliens. Now we're talking about the employer themselves. And here's where things get a little bit interesting, everybody. What Section 6 states is that if an employer has knowingly employed an authorized, an unauthorized alien without verifying employment eligibility, then the employer will be penalized. So think about this. My roofing contractors, restoration contractors in the state of Florida, individuals who own some kind of blue-collar company in the trades, this is talking directly to you if you have more than 25 employees. First violation, the employer receives a one-year probation and is required to provide quarterly reports to demonstrate compliance. I don't know about you, but what company out there can handle a one-year probation In essence, what this is saying is they're going to put you out of business if you have your first violation right here. 
subsequent violations. Any subsequent violation in a 24-month period is grounds for suspension or revocation of all licenses. Now, here's how the suspension works in that 24-month period. 1 to 10 unauthorized aliens is a 30-day suspension. One, 11 to 50 is a 60-day suspension. And if you have 50 or plus more, 50 or more unauthorized aliens, it's a revocation of your license. Folks, I want to step back, though, to what we just said here and just Section 6 in the beginning. The first violation, the employer receives a one-year probation and is required to provide recorderly reports to demonstrate compliance. This means that if you own a company out there and you're hiring people, not using the e-verify system from this point forward or starting on July the 1st, I should say, and they determine that you did that, your company could face probation for a year. And again, I don't know what company in the right mind could survive a probation for a year. You're, they're essentially putting you out of business is what they're doing. You won't even have to worry about the second part for subsequent violations within a 24-month period. This means that employers are going to have to start using this e-verify system. 25%, everyone, 25% of the workforce is illegal. And, you know, when you have that much of a workforce and these trades, that is so, is this going to be a good thing for the state of Florida? Or are we targeting individuals who are doing work that nobody else will do? That choice is up to Floridians. And by choice, I mean who you vote for. It is clear that this legislature, our Senate and our House, are for this. It was voted in by a unanimous majority in both, along signed and signed by our governor. But what will it mean in the everyday work that we put in? If employers are not going to, let's say, skip over the e-verify system, and they are going to use it, and this means that undocumented immigrants know that they will not be able to find that work, where will these people go? What is going to happen to them right now in the United States? Where will they work? Will more crimes be committed in order to put food on the table for their family? How is this going to affect the illegal immigrant population that we have? As we mentioned earlier, the statistics are millions and millions and millions of those individuals are here in the United States. And if we're saying that 25% of them are here illegally, a lot of them working in the trades, how will this affect the price of goods, the production of goods, the time in which it takes to put your roof on, um, the ability for a company to be able to put your roof on? I mean, heck, right now, try to get a roof. It's going to take you a couple months in a lot of states. And here in Florida, it could do the same depending on, you know, the number of labor that's available and the material that's available. So what I'm asking Floridians to look at is, yes, we took a right-wing approach to this. I think everybody would agree. However, though, what is going to be the consequence for the work that needs to be done around businesses when it comes to food production and when it comes to the building that we have to do in this state? I think that's something to be considered, and it's something that everybody should look at and how you vote if this is the right or the wrong thing to do. All right, now as we look at this, section number three is driver's license. Um, this one's an interesting one. There's a number of states that issue driver's license to undocumented immigrants, um, or they call them illegal aliens here. Um, if you have one of those driver's licenses that comes from another state, it is no longer valid in Florida after July the 1st. So if you are driving a company truck, um, all my business owners, if you have somebody that maybe came from a state where they have a driver's license and it has been valid right now, you need to go in and check those because after July the 1st, they're going to be driving your vehicle illegally. And important thing, 
might be a one-off, but again, business owners, this is something you're going to want to look out for in the, uh, in the months to come. Section 8 regards the Florida bar. Um, this doesn't have to do with the blue-collar community, but I found this one to be interesting. Um, effective November the 1st, 2028, it repeals uh, 454021 that allowed unauthorized immigrants to be admitted to the Florida bar. The bill does point out that it will not affect any licensees issued before November the 1st, 2028. So after that date, if you are not legally here in the United States, you will not be allowed to be admitted to the Florida bar. And finally, Section 5 deals with health data. I told you I was going to tell you about the health database, and this is where I'm going to do it. Um, this is, again, a very interesting thing right here, and I think that it's open for interpretation, and how do you take this? Is this good or is this bad? I want to hear from you in the comments section whether you believe this is a positive or negative thing for the state of Florida. Um, again, beginning on July the 1st, any hospital that accepts Medicaid is now required to ask an admission question or on registration forms as follows. That question would be, is the patient A, a United States citizen, B, lawfully present in the United States, or C, not lawfully present in the United States? I want to repeat that again so everyone gets it. The patient will be asked upon admission, a United States citizen, lawfully present in the United States, or not lawfully present in the United States. The bill does go on to say that there must be a disclaimer that follows that indicates that the response to the question will not affect the patient care or result in a report to the pa on, the, on the patient's immigration status to immigration authorities. The bill does go on to say that it does require hospitals to provide quarterly reports detailing the number of hospital admissions and emergency visits by patients who responded to the question above in each of the three categories. All right, everyone, this is this this right here. I can already see the political battle. All right. There's a couple things that we need to get straight. The first is what is actually being reported to the government. There's a lot of misinformation out there that names and addresses are what's going to be taken from an emergency room. And then that's going to be reported over to the government. That is not the case here, everyone. The case is that what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a number of people the number of individuals, not the specific names. So if you went in and your nine-year-old was treated for the flu, you've had an emergency room visit, that is a number that may go under a category and that's going to be reported to the government. That is what it says on face value. I hope that everyone can understand that if you're here illegally, you probably don't believe that, right? Uh, you're probably gonna have some trouble believing that this information is not gonna be used to your detriment. I think that it's unfortunate in this case, in my opinion, um, because it's going to leave that question in a parent's mind. You know, should I go to the emergency room or should I not? Um, in no way, though, is this bill refusing anybody care. It is not saying that if you are here illegally, you will be gone to an emergency room and you'll be turned around and your son or daughter or you yourself will not be given the care that you deserve. That's a misconception, and that misconception needs to be put to rest. Um, what they are asking for is to begin to get a database of information of how many procedures, how many times, um, how many emergency room visits um, are being handled uh, for people that are here illegally. I think what this is, is it's a precursor to what will happen in our next legislative session or perhaps in two years as they begin to gather information for how much money, time, and resources in our emergency rooms are going to people who are undocumented. So. There, there's really a lot of misinformation about this one. You have question that is going to be asked. You have care that is not going to be refused. 
and numbers that are going to be given over to the government. I can, I can definitely see why individuals don't trust the government, especially if you're here illegally with what is going to happen to the information. But what we can do is go by what is in the bill. The rest of it is all going to be an opinion that somebody has based on their life experience. And I completely understand that. I had a misconception of the bill when reading this part that it was going to refuse care or in some way hamper the care that an individual was going to receive based on their status they were here. That is not the case. So gathering numbers of people and how much money is being spent I think is the responsible thing for our government to do. Anything beyond that I'll have to address when that comes about. All that is just speaking in hyperbole and I don't want to go down that road right there. It's all hypotheticals. Um, But that is what the bill says regarding health care. The question is going to be asked, numbers will be turned over, and uh, we'll see where things go from there. So, folks, that's the breakdown of what we're looking at as immigration. It will affect how people come to this state. It is going to affect how many individuals are able to do the labor on the roofs, on the scaffolding, out there in the sun, the people who cut the grass. And that is going to be affected. That's not my opinion. That is the numbers. That's the numbers of one out of four, perhaps, one out of five, depending on what study you look at, of the people that are here illegally are doing the jobs, as we said, of being the maid, um, of being the construction worker, of being the landscaper. These are the jobs that a lot of these individuals are doing, and what is going to happen when these individuals are not doing these jobs? I don't know. And I can think that if I don't know, and you don't know for sure, then I think our Florida legislature doesn't know either. Um, And while I believe that this was put forth with, I'm going to say, good intentions, um, I think we do have a problem in this country, and maybe they are doing something to try to solve that. I've got to hope that that's what the case of our leaders in our Florida House and Senate and governor are doing. Where I think they may have been short-sighted is taking a, let's say, a a sledgehammer where a scalpel is needed or the other way around. Um, And we will see how this turns out. Um, What my goal here today is to give you the facts of what is happening here on the ground in Florida with immigration. This bill, on the surface, I can understand why it may scare individuals who are here illegally. It may make them nervous and employers, especially my roofing, restoration, landscaping guys, the people out there that are making this world turn each and every day. I understand you're having to maybe look at what's going to happen to me. What if I get fooled? Should I come to the state of Florida and open up a business and work with the E-Verify system while still making sure that the people that work for me have opportunities? It is, a, it is a system of juggling that I do not envy for any of my clients or any of the viewers of the show. As you begin to look at what is the right way to do things, how do I make that work? How do I make it profitable for my business? Should you have been doing it right the entire time? Or is this just part of what the industry is? That's a, it's an open-ended question, isn't it? Folks, that right there is our show. Um, as I've said throughout this episode, I encourage you to both like the episode, but then comment below. Are these new laws something that's a positive thing, a negative thing? Where do you stand on this? I'd love to hear from you. love to hear your opinions about how you think it's going to work out in the weeks and months to come following July the 1st. As always, we very much appreciate you taking your time here, joining us here on The Patrick Carr Show, and join us for the next episode. Until next time, have a great day, everybody.